The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the press coverage show, Monday after NFL Week nine, joining me to break down sundry, uh, sundry is it a sundry list or is it a, a sundry topics? Can you say sundry topics? Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. What's up, buddy? Sully does not know sundry. So it's, it's, <laughs> you don't know not, sundry? Myriad? Know. Prefer myriad? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Sundry topics. Because it, it's like Sunday, but it means multiple. It just means like yeah, a, a, a random list of topics. Uh, we're going to have Aaron Nagler of uh, cheesehead.tv coming on shortly. To join us to talk about the Packers. Um, let's, uh, but we did an emergency Frank Reich's been fired podcast earlier. You can find that in the feed. Sully was kind enough to jump on with Wilson, and then I jumped on, and then I jumped out, and then Wilson wrapped up. And now, but like somehow throughout all that discussion, while trying to figure out who would be the interim head coach, John Fox, he's on the staff. Gus Bradley, he's a former head coach, he's on the staff. Nope. It's Jeff Saturday of ESPN, Sully. Uh, I, I think the, the the news that they're hiring Jeff Saturday to be their interim head coach is more shocking than the news that they fired Frank Wright in the middle of the season. 1,000%. This is so weird. It's because for people, I mean, obviously you rem- you all know Jeff Saturday either from TV or when he was on the offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts of Peyton Manning and all that. If you don't know anything other than he's just been on TV and he's a former NFL player, that's because you're right. He really has no coaching experience. I was just talking about this with Billy beforehand. It's not like he went back to North Carolina and was coaching on the staff and working on the offensive line. This dude was coaching prep school, high, high school ball in Georgia. Other than that, he has no experience. They were saying back, I think this is the first time since 1960 that a guy has been hired as a head coach of an NFL team with no prior NFL or college experience. Pretty bananas. And you look at all their insiders, whether it be our own Jonathan Jones or or just go down the list. 
they're talking to a lot of these people across the league. Everybody's jaws on the floor. Nobody, nobody, nobody saw. I mean, like, I mean, Adam Schefter had the scoop first, I think, which would make sense. You would hope right? so, right? I'd be furious if I was Shefty and I didn't get that. Didn't get that scoop. Um, I, I, maybe Tom Pelissero had it pretty early too. I'm not sure. Um, I'm pretty sure though it was uh, it was it was Schefter first. At any rate, uh, Jeff Saturday, a consultant for the team, is in the Colts Ring of Honor. Head coach for the Hebron Christian Academy football team in Dakula, Georgia. So, I think that's a high school. I'm assuming, right? Prep school, high school. So. I mean, look, uh, the the Colts, by the way, don't have to go through the Rooney Rule process for an interim head coach. Only applies for a full time head coach. I, so I assume that they would need to interview minority candidates before hiring even Jeff Saturday. You which, see, my my question was, and I was talking about it with Billy beforehand, was the only thing that I I knew that that was the case, but I didn't know if that only meant if you were elevating from inside the staff. Like if they went for Gus Bradley, then you don't have to go through the Rooney Rule. But if you're doing an outside, I don't think, I don't hire, think the Rooney Rule. I don't think the Rooney Rule applies. Right, to it doesn't. I thought that that was the case. So what's interesting is that uh, a couple, just a couple things on this. One, to me, this says very clearly. If you look at the Colts over the past five or six weeks or whatever it is. Um, with ba- basically, you know, you have the, we, we talked about Jim Mercy still being mad about the Carson Wentz thing. And then the Matt Ryan thing's not working out. I think Jim Mercy said, I'm taking over this team. And he is the one who, he is the one who ordered the benching of Matt Ryan for uh, Sam Ellinger. And whether he thinks that's to tank or to find out or whatever he thinks that's for, or to save the money off Matt Ryan, like he's got his reasons in the middle of this, in between Frank Reich, being fired and, and Elger being benched, he goes on a 13-minute tangent at the owners' meetings about Dan Snyder, like just unleashing on a fellow owner, which is something that only a person who is uh, very intensely uh, emotional at the current moment would do. He fires Frank Reich and he hires Jeff Saturday, and like you can hear Ursay. I like I, I, look, we're doing the show Monday at 1:25 right now. I know what Jim Ursay is going to say at this press conference. He's like, this is about bringing the shoe culture back to Indianapolis. Um, for the shoe, Jeff, Jeff, no one loves the shoe like Jeff Saturday. And that's maybe more intense than Ursay will be. But like he like he is gonna make this all about Colts culture, all about you know, for the shoe, all kind of all kind of things like that. And I don't know that like I mean, look, I, could Jeff Saturday be a good football NFL head coach? Sure. But he has no experience doing it. And the Texans tried to do this with Josh McCown. They got absolutely murdered in the press last year. Um, so, like, I don't think it's fair for us not to qu- like, question, very clearly question what the hell the Colts are doing. Stephen Holder of The Athletic, who, or is he still at The Athletic? Or did he go? Anyway, he's been covering Indianapolis, Indy, Indy football for a long time. Said this might go down as one of the craziest days in his career. And, quote, I've seen some stuff. And so just to give it more context, what you were saying with, with Ursay and all that, Schefter had a follow-up tweet to, from when he broke the story and said that Saturday was in Indianapolis last weekend with a group of former teammates. They were celebrating an induction of the Colts Ring of Honor. They were, you know, doing all that. You have to believe that Ursay was talking with Saturday, probably liked what he was saying, probably just asking his opinion about the team. And Ursay was what? Hey, <laughs> start Monday. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like, right? Like, he must have just left an impression about how he was viewing the team. I don't think – I don't think – so when did they – they met – I don't think they would – 
I don't think that they were planning on firing Frank Reich and like this is some sort of like two week long process. It feels a little bit more reactionary to me in terms of how this thing came about. But also, but it is interesting that like last weekend he was at the Colts facility celebrating a Ring of Honor inductee, and then all of a sudden a few weeks later, after what you would assume it would be at least one or two conversations with Ursay, whether it be just generalities about the team or specifically about possibly taking over, he's now the head coach. Uh, Zach Kiefer, uh, actually friend of the pod, Zach Kiefer, uh, who writes about the Colts for the Athletic, tweeted, the Colts bypassed two former NFL head coaches already on staff, Gus Bradley, John Fox, and a rising head coach candidate in Bubba Ventrone to name former center Jeff Saturday the interim head coach. That is a real sentence. It It's, um, it's like one of the crazier like moves I, I've ever seen. I've been covering this league for f- 15 years. Now, now let me ask you this. Is this uh, obviously, you know, if he, I guess if it works out, then he'll, they'll remove the interim tag and he'll be the head coach going into 2023. I guess if they somehow go on a run, but do you think that this could also be in the eyes of her say, yes, you're going to coach the team, but also I kind of want you to run like an internal review of just how this whole thing is operating whether it's Chris Ballard, all the coaches, just kind of give me also a rundown of how we're structured organizationally, and maybe I, then you rip it down. I think it may be more of a um, – I think it's maybe more of a situation where, like it, with, it, with Wisconsin, they fire Paul Christ and hire Jim Leonard. Now, no, granted, different because he's, a, he's their D.C., like the D.C. on yeah. the staff, and uh, a rising head coaching candidate – this is an opportunity where if the Colts win or the Colts, look, if the Colts win games down the stretch or look competent down the stretch, then Jim, Jim Mercier is trying to give himself an opportunity to justify hiring Jeff Saturday, which he could not do if Jeff said, if, 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 if he fired Frank right at the end of the season and Jeff Saturday was just at ESPN and it's a normal off season. Like that would, I mean, this is clearly being scrutinized. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he can bypass all of the normal processes Hire Jeff Saturday as an interim coach. I don't know whether he's going to play Sam Ellinger, whether he's going to play Matt Ryan. I would assume Ellinger. Um, I don't know how he's going to win games with this roster. But if he does, then Ursay's going to be able to – to me, that's what he's doing, is he is trying to figure out a way to justify how he can hire Jeff Saturday on a full-time basis. Um, I would assume that the way that he's acting, it, it's, that it's, it's, it's almost – I don't want to say certain, but like, like likely that – he is going to fire Chris Ballard at the end of this year too. That's what it feels like. I can't like. believe Chris Ballard's going along with the Jeff Saturday thing. I know. It's crazy. And But this is the other thing too that I, I think we have to kind of key in here. When we talk about the Colts from 2022 and you're, you're, you're asking about whether or not, you know, Ellinger's going to play or Matt Ryan, they don't have somebody that's going to call offensive plays. They fired their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, a couple of weeks ago. And Frank Reich was assuming those play calls. There's, no on on the, on the, there's no one on the – in the coaching said that's ever called plays before. So, like, sa- like Saturday now has to figure that out. And I don't think he, he I mean, he can't call offense. I guess he can. He's that coach now. I mean, he could. <laughs> I mean, I guess he can. But you're talking I mean, about that would be incredible. At least moving on from your offensive coordinator a couple of weeks. So, you had Frank Reich, who was a former offensive coordinator. Like, you that's a normal thing that happens in the NFL. Now you're down two play callers, losing Brady and now Frank Reich, and you're replacing it with. Jeff Saturday, who has Scotty, no Mo- head uh, Scotty Montgomery, the former Duke head coach, or excuse me, the former Duke uh, wide receiver and in, in ECU head coach is the, their running backs coach. I can't remember if he called plays at ECU. ECU, not I mean, I guess he's a possible candidate. Um, 
Mm. Let me ask you this, Will. If you're <laughs> Jeff Saturday and Jim Irsay calls you and offers you the But they have Reggie Wayne as their wide receivers coach, too. I forgot about that. <laughs> what, is, what is this? The Partridge family? Like, wait, Peyton, Ma- Peyton Manning's going to be the quarterback's coach in a few weeks. Peyton, maybe Peyton Manning should be the, should be the guy. But my question um, is, Ursay calls you, you're Jeff Saturday, he offers you the job, you obviously take it, but there's got to be some apprehension, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd be freaked out about being a disaster in Indianapolis. All right, um, let's, uh, let's, let's pivot and talk some Green Bay Packers. Joining us now, Aaron Egler of Cheesehead TV. What's up, buddy? How you doing, bud? Long How's time no speak. Uh, by the way, uh, Aaron, Sully, Sully, Aaron. Good to meet you. What's up, Sully? How are you, man? Good. Uh, Long time, long time no talk. Um, before we get to the Packers, I just re- really quickly, I'm curious what you think about, because you and I have been doing this a long time. Yes, sir. <laughs> Jeff Saturday? Like, I love it. I mean, the NFL has some NBA vibe to it this year. It's just it really uh, no one cares anymore. It's like w- w- the, the all the precaution is out the window. I think it's not surprising that Ursay is the guy doing this. Like, yeah. who is going to go full Steinbrenner? Let's go. Like, I love it. Hey, I'm thinking of, from a Packers angle, this is like Donald Driver being named the interim head coach. Let's go. <laughs> I'm all in. No, Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Greg, he's actually... Can you imagine? Yes. Greg Jennings as the head coach for well, Aaron Greg Rogers. Jennings on Fox Sports 1 and, like, toss him on as the head coach. Lord. I'm trying to – I mean, we, I remember seeing – Ursay, I mean, even like in 2011, 2012, like when, you know, we were covering the freaking lockout and like the owners right. meetings back then, like Ursay would like get up and do the, you know, he'd like hold court in front of reporters and like ramble on for like, as much as he could. Like, he actually enjoyed it. You can tell. Yeah. Oh, he yes. loved it. He no it. And, like, and we're 10, it's 10 years later. He's, I mean, obviously older and, you know, with age, oftentimes can come rash decision making. <laughs> It feels like we're getting some of that. I don't know. I mean, between his like basically calling out Dan Snyder and putting that wheel in motion and now firing his coach and putting in his long time ring of honor member. I mean, he is just he's done. He's done pretending he's going to do what he wants to do. And you know what? Godspeed, man. I love it. I need to go and look and see just how many Colts. Like former Colts players are on this are on this on the staff, team. right? They got they got Reggie Wayne. I know Reggie Wayne's there, but I heard you guys talking about Peyton Manning. Could you imagine if they recreated the sideline spat, the the yelling session where yes. Peyton's like, oh, "Just run the play, run the play, block!" And like, God and damn it, Donald. Jeff's like, Jeff's like, we gotta run the ball. Like, let's go. I'm all in. But it's the other way around now. Saturdays, I know, right? The <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. um, all right, let's uh, let's let's talk Green Bay Packers. Oh, do we have to really? Yes. Well, you, Love, you guys only call me when when they're when they're bad. It's never when they're doing well. It's always when there's what's trouble. What's going in on here, land. man? I what? know, right? They lost to the Lions. They most certainly did. I watched every second of it, and then I watched it again this morning. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like uh, I do local radio around, you know, and, and like Adam Gold. I was just saying, he's like, he's like, right, we got to talk Panthers for somebody. But do we? Do we? Do, do we, we have really? to talk Panthers? Because <laughs> I we, didn't watch that I Panthers game. We can just wait till the draft to talk Panthers, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly come on. Right. And at this point, pretty much with the Packers as well. I mean, should, I got. Should, should the Packers shut down Aaron, Aaron Rodgers? No, they shouldn't. Uh, I have zero doubt that the calls for Jordan Love will will grow over the second half of the season as it becomes closer and closer to the team being mathematically eliminated, although I would say their season's on life support as it is. But, you know, they paid him $50 million as long as he's relatively healthy and he has been dealing with that thumb injury kind of off and on for weeks now. It, there's no way. There's no way he sits down. So unless Aaron pulls himself, which I can't ever imagine – that ever even approaching a, a you know a bastion of reality, 
it's going to be what we saw, what we've seen really for these last three, four weeks. And it's, it's been hard to watch and it's getting harder to watch. And what's, what's mystifying is how they so easily have a team and a way of working that is available to them in the sense of they finally found the combination up front along the offensive line. When they moved the pieces around three weeks ago, they finally got everybody healthy up front. They've, they've shown repeatedly that Aaron Jones is the one guy on this offense who can be productive no matter where you give him the ball, no matter how you deliver the football. He is or should be the engine that makes everything else go, but they steadfastly refuse to go that route. And I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if it's LaFleur and Rodgers saying, oh, no, we're going to show everybody. But they're running an offense that they've basically been running a type form of for the last three years without the personnel to run it. Like how they could possibly look at the guys available to them and go, yep, we're going to spread it out. We're going to go five wide. We're just going to hope guys win off the line of scrimmage because that's been a majority of the offense that we've seen for like a month in Green Bay. And it absolutely blows my mind. And you were saying earlier, you know, you've been watching this this game twice. Obviously, you watched this morning. How much, if any, is the right thumb injury impacting Rodgers? Is that part of this equation or is it just simply lack of trust in the offense, lack of trust in the weapons? I think it's everything. And that's, yeah. you know, always the problem in football is that there are always kind of multiple layers and compounding factors. And I don't for a moment discount the thumb. Right. I think that's part of it. But as you guys know, you've been doing this long enough. Once you go out there between the white lines, you are judged accordingly, especially yep. if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're a four-time MVP, back-to-back MVP the last two seasons. You start, like, missing throws that you usually make in your sleep. Well, maybe you shouldn't be out there until you are healthy enough to make those throws because right now you're hurting the team. I mean, that team yesterday moved the ball between the 20s and then completely uh, absolutely fell apart three times in the red zone because of their quarterback. And, I mean, and that's you, just losing football. And you tell me real quickly, just because the one that I, the play that I keep thinking about is the underthrow, the interception in the end zone when they were throwing it to Bakhtiari. Right. Was that a tip pass or was that just, no, he just no. didn't have it. He just, just didn't, didn't have, have enough it. on it. And the thing is, is if he gets enough on it, Bakhtiari's open. Yeah. I mean, credit to Hutchinson. He makes a great play on the ball, but it's a terrible ball. You know, it's, it, there's zero reason for, a, I don't understand why they're calling that play. Like, I get it. Sure. If you're on a roll, you know, you've won a few games, you're, you're moving the ball on offense, you're feeling good about it, but you're in a desperate, gotta-save-your-season situation on the goal line, and you're running the tackle-eligible throwback to your best friend? Yeah. I don't, I just don't get that play call at all. And then Aaron Rodgers making it 10 times worse by throwing up just a absolute wounded duck of a ball. Is it, I mean, do you think, like, is, it, is this a, like what? Why is this a wide receiver thing? Is it an offensive line thing? Like why? I, why this went from an absolutely dominant offense two straight years, and and then they did. They came in and said this all season. They're like, we're going to be more defense based and more run heavy. Well, there's zero doubt that that was the kind of thinking, right? At yeah. least now, here's where it gets tricky because it certainly feels like from the outside looking in that that was the plan, right? Now. now I don't think you'll ever get anyone on record, at least not anytime soon, saying, yes, we had hoped we would be a lot better on defense while our offense figured it out. Right. They definitely did. Because that certainly is like would appear to be the plan sitting on the outside. Right. But now the defense clearly has not been as good as they would hope to be. But I think the defense has played well in spurts, kind of like they did last year. But man, the offense has just not been able to figure it out. And to me, it really looks. And again, 
that's hard to say with any certainty, but it really looks like there's a pretty serious disconnect between the personnel group and the coaching staff because the personnel group handed them one kind of team, especially on offense. It was, okay, your two running backs are your most dynamic weapons. They are clearly your best players on the offensive side of the ball. But again, for whatever reason, Matt and Aaron, and it, it, it is never one or the other. I see this a lot kind of outside and in the press and what have you. People always saying, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers or, oh, Lafleur's in over his head or whatever kind of narrative tries to get spun here. It is both of them. It is always both of them. And for whatever reason, the two of them seem insistent upon running a version of their offense that is completely ill-suited for the people they have on hand. So in other words, you, you, you feel like the, the front office, and this is also interesting too, where you come in, like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a perfect contrast of Jim Ursay and then, you know, like <laughs> right. no owner. I mean, you right. know I mean? I mean, yep. obviously Mark, yeah, Mark Murphy. Murphy's not leaning on anybody in any way, shape or form, especially that- when he just signed them to contract extensions. That's oh, he's not, you're, 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 okay. He's not like, he's not, yeah, he's, he's not, not going to, he's, he's clearly come off, you know, you've come off what three years in a row, 13 win seasons, Mark Murphy signs Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst to long-term contract extensions yeah. and basically steps away. Sure. And I'm not ripping on the guy. Like, that makes sense, right? Oh, that's what you should he's do. He's not Jim Ursay. He's Jim not going to meddle. Bad, yeah, yeah. Jim Ursay's right. handling it poorly by doing it the way he's doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I unless he, unless Ursay wants to tank, which he's done before. So, I mean, you know. he, did, he did it. By the way, that, I that's how he got luck. You know? Frank Wright was on that 2011 team, uh, roster right. as a, or coaching staff, which coaching is staff, amazing. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I mean Ursa definitely leaned in on that that back in 2011 was like we need to yep. get like this is the, this is the year you tank and we're, we're gonna we're gonna drop like a stone and they and did maybe that's what he's doing maybe he's like hey Jeff I need you to come in and take one for the shoe maybe, maybe yeah maybe maybe it's a more overt Miami situation without the uh, without the, the tank friction and attention right well, I mean that's sort of one of the two should I mean should the Packers at three and six be considering not tanking but like okay. Looking to the future. Put Aaron on ice. Put Jordan right. Love in for four weeks. Showcase him as a possible trade candidate. I'm not, I'm not that, I don't know that Jordan Love comes in and looks Never. great in this offense either, though. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. We so all know it's, this. Like, it's, it's, that's fantasy land. Although, I think there are certainly people in the NFL who would not be thinking, uh, wouldn't think that was a crazy idea, right? But that's right. never going to happen in Green Bay. No right. chance. Well, and it's, it's like, it'd be worse than, he would need to be, he would need to like, have minor minor surgery something and like disappear for a little bit and come back shelf a thumb cast for a period of time exactly there's yeah i i said it this morning there's just no conceivable way that aaron Rodgers sits in any way shape or form while he's relatively healthy even with a banged up thumb i mean hell we've got evidence you know back in the day of brett Favre back in 2003 when he broke his thumb and they leaned into amon green and amon green had a literally a record-setting season on the ground and they won a bunch of games. And I honestly thought, especially when Aaron hurt his thumb, that's where they were headed. Yeah. You've got two great running backs. Button it up. Run the ball. No, it won't always be pretty. Yes, your stats will suck. But at least you give yourself a chance to win some football games. Because right now, the offense is not doing anything to help them win football games I mean, at all. They, I mean, I don't want to be like they held the Lions to 15 points. Like that's, I mean, but, they, like, but you that's know, you, complimentary football, right? That's a team that scores over 30 points every single yes. game they're at home, and the Packers defense holds them to 15. If you have a chance, by the way, you, you should win the game. Stop them on fourth down, fourth and three at the end of the game to give your offense a chance to go win the game, and you can't do it. I mean, again, I, I don't think the defense has been lights out, but they've been, they've more than held up their end of the bargain when you're talking about complimentary football. 
when we talk about, you know, obviously them playing a version of their offense that doesn't necessarily suit what they have on the roster, do you think that the the injury now to Romeo Dobbs, does that, and it, I guess the state of affairs of where you are, where that could dictate your offense, but does that maybe force their hand into a little bit more of a run-heavy system? Because at this point, you, re- you really have Alan Lazard and Christian Watson. I mean, I mean, you're in the same place you were. I just wonder if that continues to push you in that direction to run the football. I mean, the Let's problem see. is like Aaron Jones is hurt too, right? I mean, well, he, but the report this morning is that he's going to be okay and should yeah, actually be available on Sunday against the Cowboys, which That's is great huge. for the Packers so they can ignore him some more. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but to mean, that point, you would think that makes sense, right? What you're saying, like, okay, we're, we're dropping like flies at wide receiver. Let's button it up. Let's run the ball, be a little more basic. But I guarantee you, they will sign Juwan Winfrey from their practice squad and carry on as they all as they have been for the first half of the season. I just don't understand, but I don't think I see. If, if Aaron and Matt haven't seen the light, come to Jesus, whatever you want to call it, at this point, I don't... I don't know what's going to do. It. Why are they going to change well, what they're doing? It, yeah, it felt like they unlocked something in that game against Buffalo. Even I totally agree. I totally agree. But then it was funny because after that game, you saw how successful they were with some of the more power stuff. They ran counter. We, they got between the tackles. And yes, the Bills were playing a lot of too high. But all season long, too high had been a bit of their kryptonite, and they refused to run against it for whatever reason. Sure. But even after that game, and then Monday and Wednesday, Lafleur's availabilities, both Aaron and Matt were like, "Well, you know, yes, we did some good things on the ground, but you got to throw it downfield to win in this league." I'll, I'll tell you what: you got to get first downs to win in this league. You got to <laughs> move points. the ball and score points to win in this league. And you keep throwing it up for Jesus and getting picked off in the red zone. You're not going to win any games that way. I mean, if you're if you're like you're and um, I, I reference this all the time, but it, I, I always come back to it like. We did a, a we streamed with Jordy Nelson like two years ago, like during the pandemic, like a right. watch party thing. And, and he was we asked him about the wide receiver stuff. He's like, Aaron wants wide receivers who understand how to operate on that secondary route break when he spins out of the pocket, yep. and he wants him you know on the same page as he is. Uh, we you know we saw maybe one example with Toure um, on that deep pass of yes. how that actually works. Yep. But other than that, like these guys haven't been able to figure that out for whatever reason at all. You know, and they, I mean, they reportedly tried to go trade for like four picks for Darren Waller and Chase Claypool, which speaks to the desperation that you got going on there. I I don't just get, just, just tighten everything up, pound the ball and try and steal some games. They have to. And that's the only way forward in my estimation. Now, again, these guys have forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. I understand that, but man, what's the definition of insanity? Because that's living in Green Bay right now. Over and over and over again, same type of results when you've got at least an alternative sitting right behind you. I mean, it just feels so weird that they refuse to acknowledge that Aaron Jones is a superstar, or at least he could be if they utilize him. He should be, he could easily be offensive player of the year in the NFL if you just, if they utilized him. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like, I I sort of always thought, I was like, all right, they're going to just put, they're going to move. Like, I thought the plan was. AJ Dillon in the backfield most of the time. Aaron Jones split him and out, doing yeah, you know, run some two yeah. running back stuff and have him yep. motion out and just. Well, you know. we saw some more of that. We saw a lot of pony in uh, the game in Detroit, but yep. for whatever reason, they didn't really get the ball to Aaron Jones off any of that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like it's even like the stuff that they do could be. Yeah, it's it, it, they're not. Like, it's not like this is some young quarterback who can't get to his the correct progression. I mean, this, this well, is two guys. I like, tell you what, though, that's that's what's scary. There's two things coming off that tape uh, from yesterday's game. You mentioned the the second reaction stuff that Jordy was talking about, right? Yep. So many plays in that game, if you look at the All-22, where guys get to the top of their route 
like there's like comebacks and things like that where guys go and they just stop. And Aaron's like dancing around in the pocket and trying to break free. And then everyone's like, oh, oh, I got to keep going. Like that yeah. pops up again and again. And but they, the don't, other, they don't know what they're doing. When post, it comes to, like if, yeah. if things get out of structure, it's over. And then but the other problem is, is that in the structure, there are a handful of plays where Rodgers has a dude screaming wide open. I mean, really? wide open, looking right at him. And for whatever reason, doesn't like it, pulls it down. Gets starts looking at the rush and it has to either throw it away or try to escape the pocket. It's it, I've gotten to the point now where it really feels like he's got the yips. Like there's so many levels of dysfunction, both from the offensive line has been kind of a mess up until about two weeks ago to the receiver stuff that we're talking about to just him trusting what he's seeing. I just they feel absolutely broken on offense. Right, that's what I was going to ask. Does it almost does it almost feel like he thinks okay, too good to be true if he's yes, that wide open and a thousand it's percent, yeah. especially in a game where he's thrown a couple picks and so he's probably a little gun shy. Like I understand that that's going to happen, but man, if it hadn't, I'd I'd be less concerned if we hadn't seen evidence of that throughout the entirety of the season, which we certainly have. Is it is it possible too that like the lack of trust in his wide receivers has sort of created a lack of confidence or a lack of trust in himself to like pull the trigger where he's like a little bit I I'm, I do not doubt for a moment and that's kind of always been Aaron's way you know you talk and to you anybody who's played with too. Him. like if you got a bump yeah, thought, like, exactly yeah. and you don't trust what you're going to do with the football and then you don't trust what that guy's going to do off of his break like well yeah that's probably going to breed some inconsistency there's no doubt there but you know the 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 bad habits are all back as far as falling off the back foot, mm. throwing sidearm. I mean that first interception literally goes off dude's helmet because Aaron doesn't step into the throw, doesn't make a correct like not even close. Like he's just like that sidearm, like shortstop throw is- into a dude's head. <laughs> this is a four-time MVP. It's crazy. What are we doing? It, and it's. Just- it's also like some of that stuff manifests itself in terms of, you know, you're overcompensating sometimes for injury. You're overcompensating sometimes yes. for a right, failure right. of the offense to to function in it in a proper way. You're and trying so to do it all yourself. Yep. Yeah. Trying to make it all. Ha- exactly. You, you're looking around you and you're like, oh, my God, I don't. I have to make it happen. And this is the to me, that's the crux of the issue. Like, no, the other Aaron is the one you guys should be trusting and counting on to make it happen. Right. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers will allow them to do that. I mean, only Matt and Aaron could answer that question. But to me, it seems so simple. And it's going to be, again, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be not very sexy. Your numbers are going to suffer. But I don't understand what other alternative you have if you want to at least try to win some games. Um, well, I, I am curious what you think. If you went back in time, like, let's say a year and a half, and you said, "Hey, hey, younger Aaron." No boy. Okay. No, no, no. Would you like hey, Mike McCarthy is going to come to Green Bay in 2022 as a four and a half point road favorite? God, against- oh, <laughs> like, Lord. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I this is true. You got I got the tweets to prove it. Always was appreciative of McCarthy's time in Green Bay. Obviously, things got you know ran their course, oh, especially between him and Aaron. Like I completely understand things got stale towards the end. But I remember that first year in Dallas when. They were completely beat up down there, and people were like, oh, you see the Packers were right. Like, Mike's a terrible coach. Like, that's what you got from a lot of fans who were, you know, just glad to see him out the door or whatever. And I said at the time, like, just get let him at least operate with an offensive line and a quarterback for a full season and see what this team can do. And I think, you know, Mike's put it together pretty damn well this year. Now, I'm not saying they're going to, like, run roughshod over the NFC or anything, but 
they're playing pretty good football on both sides of the ball. And I love that Mike gets to come back to Lambeau and say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right without you guys. Uh, yeah. It is kind of funny. And like, now it's like, it's do or die time for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Rogers. it is a hundred percent do or die time for Green Bay. There is zero doubt about that. And to have to do that against Mike McCarthy is you wow. can, the football gods deliver sometimes man. this league like i know right <laughs> yeah. absolutely i mean you couldn't ask for a more juicy narrative funnily enough we have a conference call with mccarthy with the green bay media in about an hour so i'm, I'm Ooh, delightful I'm, he, I might be, he might be a that. little he might be a little saucy in that thing i man. cannot wait for it can't wait uh, for all right well uh we'll let you go Aaron. thank you so much for taking the time to join absolutely. us TV hey hey, hey hey when the packers go on a winning streak Hit me up. We'll next bring time, it right? back. Hey, right. if you get R-E-L-A-X moment, uh, we'll saying, uh, we'll bring it back. I'm All right, saying, uh, we're gonna go to a break. Aaron, thanks as always, buddy. Thanks Appreciate a lot, it, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, see you, buddy. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Sully and I will do more football talking. Maybe some Josh Allen. Maybe some uh, Kirk Cousins. Next. You ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates It is at? a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Jets over the Bills. Sully. Which was worse, we, I, we asked this question on, on the podcast, the recap pod last night. Which is the worst loss? Packer, Lions, Packers to the Lions or the Bills to the Jets? And you can define worse however you want, whether it's more embarrassing or like more debilitating for your chances, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, I'll say the worst is, is the Packers loss to Detroit just by the way in which it happened and what that necessarily means. I don't think that anybody's changing really their opinion about the Bills being a Super Bowl favorite among the Super Bowl favorites. You lose this game for the Green Bay Packers, as we were just talking about. It's changing the whole complexion of your season. You were supposed to, this was supposed to be a get right situation going up against the worst secondary in the NFL, one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and you throw three picks in the red zone. I mean, if things go right, even if you just throw one pick in the end zone, you're scoring two touchdowns, you're up big, and you're feeling good. You went 0 for 3 in that area. So I would see that as much worse. But I will say this about the Bills and the Jets, there is starting to become a formula of how you can beat the Buffalo Bills, and that is running the football. We were just talking about with the Green Bay Packers in that Sunday game. They were able to run the ball really well against the Buffalo Bills. What were the Jets able to do in this game? Ball control, run. That's something that when we talk about these elite teams in the NFL, maybe, even, maybe not even necessarily elite teams, if you get a hot Tennessee Titans team with Derrick Henry, is that something where Mike Rabel can cook something up and make it a physical game like we saw on Sunday night in Kansas City for about three and a half quarters? That's one thing that would concern me if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan is if you can get into these situations where these teams can run all over you, dictate pace, that's one way that you can get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands without necessarily playing great defense. Yeah, I mean, in if you, it, it's like why the, 
you feel like the Titans could be able to take down the Bills. Um, you know, or like the or the you know, it's it's why the Titans are so dangerous in the playoffs. Like if yeah. Derrick Henry gets loose and can get downhill, can get a lead, and then you can force the other team to press and have to throw 50, 60 times a game, it totally changes the dynamic of everything. Um, not that you don't, you know, not that you can't win with Josh Allen throwing the ball a bunch. Of course. But, you know, when he has to, you know, but I'll, if you're but I'll, doing 18 to 34 for 205 and two picks, you know, and his picks were really bad. Yeah. I, I sort of wonder, we talked about this a little bit too last night, but how much do you think, um, how much of, do, do, does, does what we saw from Josh Allen on Sunday against the Jets change the way you f- feel about what happened in the second half against the Packers last week? As in, is this maybe more of a trend for Josh Allen? Um, or is this a, or is it sort of like a, just a one game? What you're going to ignore that last second half last week and just sort of chalk this up. This Jets game up as sort of a fluke. Yeah. I think I, I'd chalk it up as a little bit of a fluke just because I, I do think that, you know, New York does, you know, as much as we're saying the Jets, you know, we're, we're skeptical about their record and all that stuff. They, listen, they play great defense. Robert Sal is a defensive-minded head coach. They have a good front. They run the football. Like, you can, in Sauce Gardner, I think, is probably going to win, you know, defensive rookie of the year. They have pieces that can make, like, difficult. This is not a New York Jets team that you can just chalk in a win and, and go and snooze in a MetLife and get a win. It's just... That's just not how this team is. Yeah, Zach Wilson might not be the answer. We, we still don't – maybe the, the jury's still out on him. But overall, this roster is far better than what it's been in years past. And they have the, the right head coach to kind of utilize, particularly on that defensive side. So, you know, division opponent on the road, double-digit favorite road on the road. These things happen. They get fluky, and it just kind of feels like that happens every now and again. Again, you know, you look at what happened last year. We were ha- probably having the same exact conversation when the Bills just stunk up the joint and lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were still a legitimate powerhouse in the playoffs. Sure. And, and, and you know, we're taking Kansas City and those haymakers in that epic game. So I'm not losing too much sleep over Buffalo in this respect. But like I said, big picture. There's starting to be a formula, not even for Buffalo. I mean, you even saw it with Philadelphia there as well in that Thursday game against Houston. You you you're, you can run on both those teams right now, which is something for both the favorite in the AFC and the and the NFC to kind of be concerned about. Yeah, I was uh, just looking at a interesting article on the buffalonews.com or buffalonews.com, the Buffalo News, obviously. Jace Kersky uh, breaking down, doing a punt further review. Bill's offense is lacking a reliable second target behind Stephon Diggs. Uh, if you had to guess, right? So he's played 85, 84% of the offensive snaps in seven games. This is Gabe Davis. So seven games he's been active. 84% of the offensive snaps in every single game. How many catches does he have on the season? I would not have guessed. I would not, I would not have guessed this answer. I'm going to guess. So seven games. Does he have does he have 20, 25 catches? 18. Oof. He's and caught. honestly, and how much was that? He had, well, he had a huge game, but it was only like three catches, right? That's was, that's what Skirsky wrote about too. It's a, he's caught um, forty-seven point four percent of his thirty-eight targets, which ranks one hundred ninety-first out of two hundred one qualifying receivers. He's had one huge game, three catches, one hundred seventy-one yards, two touchdowns against Pittsburgh, two solid ones, and four absolute clunkers. I'm reading from Skirsky's article, including Sunday when he had the chance to make a play at the end of the game that would have put his team at worst in position to attempt a tying field goal. He couldn't do it. I should make that play, David said after the game. And it's kind of interesting because like we you look at you're like Buffalo's 
receivers are the like the best in the league. Maybe this is the team that badly needs Odell Beckham. Mm. You know, I mean, and we probably talk too much about Odell Beckham in general, the football media, but you know, if if Gabe Davis is is really more of a two, I mean, he's really more of a a three or like a you know, like a really like they need a number two there to allow Gabe Davis to sort of become the three. Um, Isaiah McKenzie is more of a gadget guy. Cole, Cole Beasley is, they're kind of miss Cole Beasley. Like, like when he was at his best, Do- Dustin Knox has been banged up. Um, obviously dealt with some family stuff, uh, you know, off the field. Um, Stephon Diggs has been a monster, but it feels like this team maybe can't do it just with Stephon Diggs. And it also feels to me like Josh Allen's forcing stuff. And, and this is one thing that I, I mentioned to this last week when we were talking, when we were re- recapping the trade deadline, they pulled off the trade for Naeem Hines. I think that this is one of those areas where he could help. Yep. And you talk about this offense wanting a player like that in their offense. You, you go back to the offseason when they were trying to get J.D. McKissick and they were unable to do it. They signed him and that whole thing with Washington happened. It feels like, and they draft Zach Moss, to, uh, not Zach Moss, excuse me, uh, James Cook to try to kind of have that type of lightning role. Even, you know, Devin Singletary's caught a ton of passes out of the backfield. They're looking for somebody to be that outlet almost in the slot or in the flat in that short yardage area to help move the change. Because, you know, Stefan Diggs, he's already kind of your deep threat. I mean, it almost feels like Davis and Diggs are a little bit redundant. I think that it, it, Diggs has a much more um, diverse route tree than Gabe Davis does currently. Uh, yeah. But they kind of – like what Gabe Davis does best, I think Stefan Diggs does, and he does it better. So I don't know if that necessarily blends particularly well. If they had somebody like a Cole Beasley in his prime or something along those lines, that makes a little bit more sense in terms of how you want to use your offense. This is why I think the Naeem Hines thing could be interesting because I almost wonder – if you can move him into the slot in certain situations and still kind of have that while not necessarily having your quote unquote slot receiver, but you have somebody in the slot that's capable of moving the ball on short yardages. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, somebody who can, you can also, you can, yeah, you can move him around. You can help him, you know, just help the passing game in general. All right. Let's um talk some Kirk cousins. I guess. Sure. Whatever. I mean, I guess the, it, he just got shirtless on a, on an airplane with like a lot of chains. It was pretty cool. Man. A lot of chains. It was pretty cool. Um, One PM cousins, man. So that's right. So if you're looking at actually, let's sort of turn this into a who are the like where where do you slot? All right, let's separate the NFC and the AFC. Where how do you slot out the NFC? Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC. You can make it. You can make the case that they're the best team in the NFL. I don't have a problem with that. Who's your number two in the NFC? Is it Minnesota? No, San Francisco. Oh. San Francisco. San Francisco is my number two team. I think that 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 team, as much as I think Philadelphia should be in, definitely, obviously, eight no is the favorite. Kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about Buffalo and Philadelphia really struggling against the run. That's the type of team the 49ers, that would scare me because they now have Christian McCaffrey. They have a coach in Kyle Shanahan that wants to run, has that outside zone scheme. They can get after the quarterback in terms of pass rush. That's a team that scares me. So that, to me, would be the number two team in the NFC. Minnesota, I really like. I actually like the TJ Hawkinson deal. You know what? You're 7-1. You're, you're and one. You got the game the ball on Sunday. At the time, you're 6-1 and one to start the season. It's the best chance you've had in years to win the NFC North and to make a significant run with the Packers being down. 
go for it. Totally get it. You should absolutely do it. I think the roster is pretty good. My number one question, and it will not get answered until January, is what Kirk Cousins looks like in a playoff game. And what does he look like when the entire eyeballs of the NFL are on him? Because when we've seen it so far, he stinks. He can't win. He can win these one o'clock games. He can wear the chains and go shirtless on the planes. But when it's a red eye, they're all losing. They're all sleeping. They're all like, this guy might not be the guy. You know, I, works, I definitely expect it to be a like, 1 p.m. game. It doesn't, I don't know what that necessarily means when you're in a playoff scenario in Philadelphia at the link. I don't know yeah. if he's going to win that game. Um, by the way, I definitely expected him to have more of like a Mac Jones stomach than a, than a six pack. I don't That's know. That's just mean on Mac Jones. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean I, I'm not sitting here with a six-pack, pal. I mean, I got a kid. It's actually pretty, pretty good. Kirk Cousins shredded, man. I was so saying I didn't expect him to be shredded. Like, I, mean, I guess we should, though, right? I mean, they are professional athletes. I think it's weird. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, of course, like any, yeah, like, I mean, 99% of like, you know, I mean, obviously not defensive linemen or, you know, I mean, like. Right. Uh, but like, like, a, you know. A, yeah, a, most a, quarterbacks are probably pretty shredded. <laughs> but I don't know. I just expected him, like, you take his shirt off and he's like, you know. Kind of like dad body. Yeah, just like a like an average dude at a yeah. pool or something. Like I didn't think we'd see just absolutely cut six pack Kirk Cousins, but I mean he works out a ton. He's very yeah. I mean he's, Billy's suggesting he's flexing in in, in this for this entire like eighteen minute like um, you mean, you mean, dancer. You mean when you know the cameras are on you, you get your shirt off. You're not like tuck. You're not sucking it in. You're not kind of you know yeah. flexing a little bit harder. Of course you are, right, but still really, I, mean, really I could flex as much as humanly possible. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that would happen. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it's like, it comes down to Philly one, and then you can make the case for Seattle, Dallas, Minnesota, uh, San Francisco, yep. for sure. Yep. Um, as all teams who I believe can be, like, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams rep the NFC in the Super Bowl at this point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think. Tampa, I don't yeah, think it'd be crazy if Tampa Bay made it the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they're going to probably, I mean, they're in the first place in that division still. And, you know, if they, if this is one of those moments where all of a sudden you, you know, you you yeah, that, last, get it? that last get second it? win against the Rams and that kind of turns your season around, maybe, I guess. I mean, I don't rule it out because I feel like it, it's very similar to what we were saying earlier with Buffalo when we were talking about, you know, that game against Jacksonville last year. You know, we were very much down on the Buccaneers when Brady was forgetting what down it was in Chicago and they lost and they're like, wow, this thing ain't going to work out. You know, that could, things could change. They have a top five defense in DVOA. If they get the offensive, if they get the offense right, that's a dangerous team for sure. I wouldn't. I would put currently Minnesota above them, obviously. Yeah. But that's a team that could be dangerous. I'm just saying, like you win that division and you you get in. I mean, like you could always make some noise. Um, Home playoff game yeah. right now would be Minnesota against San Francisco, Seattle against the Giants, Tampa against Dallas, Philly getting the bye. It's a. I'd love. I'd love to get a. Tampa's the four seed. San Francisco's the five seed. Jimmy G oh, comes yeah. to Jimmy G versus Tom Brady in the playoff playoff matchup. That's a good time. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. That'd be a, that's a, that's a holy war. And yeah, yeah. It'd be a, like this, like we're showing a uh, 99, 99 rating in, in the new England, in the, the greater Boston, new England area for this game. But, but um, going back to Kirk cousins, you know, it's just my, my biggest question for him. And I mean, even you look at this game against Washington, I mean, he was 22 of 40. I mean, he had to have a, Seven, what was it? A, a 13 0 run to end the game to beat the commanders. I mean, we're not, it's not like they're talking about facing the Philadelphia Eagles or facing 
the Dallas Cowboys or anything like that. Like the Commanders, they're they're last place in that division for a reason. Yeah, they have you know Taylor Heineke. I think is you know a serviceable guy and everything like that. But it's not it's not like this was a juggernaut in the NFC. And I know there's it's a road game. It's emotional because he used to play there and all that. I get it. But at the same time, I I, I still have my reservations about how far this Minnesota Vikings team can go because of what I've seen from Kirk Cousins in those high-pressure moments. The 1 o'clock games, I mean, this is probably the most high-pressure 1 o'clock game he's had because it's his former team, and he barely won it. And so now we're talking about going into, you know, Philadelphia, realistically. Like, I mean, that's the road's going to go through Philadelphia. You're telling me you have faith in Kirk Cousins going into Lincoln Financial in an NFC Championship game to win that thing and to go to the Super Bowl? No, he's throwing like five picks in that game. I do not have faith in him, especially if it's like a primetime NFC championship game. All right. That'll do it for us. Press coverage show Monday. Thanks to Aaron Nagler for joining us. Thanks to Sully for uh, for co-hosting with me. For co-hosting. Sully time. I like it. Sure. Um, assistant to show. the host. No, what's that? Assistant to the host is what I would call it. <laughs> assistant to the regional host. Um, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Oh, actually, we'll be back tonight after Monday Night Football to recap uh, Saints and Ravens. Join us then. Turn, hit, hit the like button. For Sully, I'm Princeton. We'll see you guys later. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.